And you're very welcome along to the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio. Porik, good morning good to morning, you. Good morning, Deirdre. Good morning, listeners. How are things? Hey, great. It's a beautiful morning out there. It is. Make, best, make the best of today. I was going to say, make yeah. hay while the sun <laughs> shines, I think. Yeah, we'll come back to that in we a minute. Will. I've got a list of things that people can do today. But it's, yeah, it's been a great week and, and we're slipping into October. And I, I'm admiring the beautiful autumn colours at the moment. Yeah. The cherry trees are in particular, I thought, were lovely this week. Cherries, uh, they're of course, they're beautiful in springtime, but at this time of year, many of them have that fantastic orange and red colours. And we are slipping into it rather than it coming in at a bang. So yeah. it's great to be able to enjoy, enjoy all that change in colour. And I know things will be winding down for winter, but uh, while that happens, it's nice that it's not just uh, over kind of in the blink of an eye. Yeah, and if we get stormy weather, that can happen very quickly. Yeah. But at the moment, and the cooler temperatures at night, I mean, it's nearly bordering on a couple of nights of frost and, and those cooler temperatures turn the, the green chlorophyll back to those lovely red colours. So Virginia Creeper and Boston Ivy are lovely at the moment. Liquid amber is going to be fabulous this year. Um, and so many, Parotia persica, which is a lovely, a favourite tree of mine, um, will, will start to change its colour now. So as we slip into October, November, the, the autumn colour is going to come to the fore. Now, last weekend, we were talking about the artisan producers yeah. and uh, that I just started with he. So how did last weekend go? It went brilliant. And, and probably they started on, on two excellent days because Saturday and Sunday were beautiful. So it was a great excuse to go to the garden centre anyway. Um, but just to remind listeners, we have invited, um, we 40 different artists and producers between now and Christmas and we invite in 10 to 11 every week uh, to show their wares and these are people within our community that are making products um, fantastic products I'm, I'm, I'm amazed with the quality of the products I, I was looking this morning and there's a chap called Kevin Steele he's got Madra Dove the black the black the dog, black dog and he specialises in recycling or upcycling uh, furniture. So okay. he's got beautiful old dressers and uh, lovely oak um, timber produce and also uh, lovely lamps made out of industrial items. So bits of copper and piping and so on and, and uh, some beautiful products there. So there's a whole range and, and again it's every weekend, every Saturday and Sunday. It's a free event. Um, we offer the facility free to the, the crafters and the artists and producers and um, it's free, free for people to come in and everything that, that's purchased goes directly to the, the crafters themselves. So, um, But it's just, it creates a lovely buzz in the centre. And There's everything from knitters, crocheters, did I say that right? But yes, uh, I think Because I got it wrong <laughs> last weekend. Oh, did you? <laughs> I did when I was chatting to them. And But there's a, one that caught my eye as well was um, cooling handmade soap. Um, a French lady, uh, Blech, uh, Beth, and, and I was chatting to her and, and she's got beautiful products. I was asking her for a soap for gardener's hands. <laughs> so she was showing me various different soaps I could use, but also some fabulous soaps for shaving. Okay. And an all beautiful product, really well presented and fantastic uh, product to use as well. So there's all that sort of thing from, from um, you know, literally uh, knitwear to, to traditional crafts. Um, Cara Crafts are there with a wide range of products. I featured them last week. Um, lamps, um, Paddy, Paddy uh, Kerwin has a beautiful range of upcycle lamps. I brought one here to studio. Uh, the yeah, staff loved I, I, it. I was completely taken with that lamp actually yeah. last week. Beautiful. Now, all of the pr products, uh, you know, are were are absolutely stunning but um, I suppose there might have been just a little bit of a, an element of I don't know whether it's novelty or yeah, yeah. quirkiness I think yeah, that's yeah. it um, about the lamp and I thought it was 
stunning. Yeah. So so that's going to run again this weekend. The guys are there again uh, today and tomorrow. So October is very much around craft in particular. As we go into November, we're going to feature a lot more, a, a blend between craft and food producers. And then in December, it's going to be predominantly local food producers coming up to Christmas uh, and so on. So it's every weekend. Drop in if you're in, in the, it's in our Turlock Centre in Castle Bar. And it's well worth a look. Um, but going back to the good weather, today is promised fabulous. Yeah. So look, make use tomorrow, of... Tomorrow, not so much. You no, know, rain tomorrow, a bit of storm tomorrow and into next week. Uh, again, we're into a blend, mixture of different weather. So my advice really is kind of use today to, like the first thing I would be doing is getting the lawns trimmed and getting the, the moss control on. So get the zero on and get your lawn fed as well. And if you are thinking of putting bulbs in your lawn, do them this weekend. Um, so the planting of low growth bulbs like anemones and crocuses and snowdrops and um, fritillarias those really short bulbs that flower January, February, March before the grass starts to grow. Simply all you need to do is trim the lawn, dig literally cut a square about the size of a manhole cover, lift it up which it will, the, the grass will lift up in one piece, plant your bulbs and the great thing about bulbs is we often get hung up on how deep to plant the bulbs but bulbs have roots that are contractible, which means that if you plant a bulb uh, too shallow, the bulb itself will actually resettle and it'll actually pull, the roots will pull the bulb back down into the soil to the correct level. So bulbs actually move about in the soil. So whether you overplant them or you underplant them, the bulbs will actually find, it might take them a year or two, but they'll actually find their correct depth. Uh, because, yeah, it's all to do with light levels. I won't get into the technicality of it, but, but they have that ability to actually, don't be worried about planting, even if you plant them sideways, yeah. the bulb will actually rectify itself. So this is the time of year when we plant bulbs in the garden, pots, containers, window boxes, in your lawn areas. I mean, there's nothing like a sweeping carpet of crocuses in flower in February and March. And they're brilliant for the, the bees. And they are perennial. They come back year after year. Many, many varieties of bulbs. So this is the time of year for planting them, but particularly Get the get tidy up the lawn now. You know you'd probably need to give it one or two more cuts, um, but certainly that's something I would do today. The other thing I've done myself is cut back the hostas, and they're looking a bit dishevelled. The the slugs have got at them, so it's a good time of year for things like a stillbiz. Um, hostas, those perennial plants that produce clumps in the garden that have finished flowering, to cut them right back now with the hedge clippers to to close to soil level, dig them up, and divide them. So make out of one hosta plant, you can make five or six new plants by si- simply splitting them up with a sharp axe or a, the blade of a spade. Yep. Chop them up and replant them into clusters. <clears throat> and if you are planting hostas in a still base, then plant some bulbs with them because the hosta, the bulbs will flower before the hosta comes through. And I mentioned it last month, uh, it's about planting the alliums and the hostas together. Mm. It's always a lovely mixture. Speaking about kind of propagating plants, so that's the way we propagate hostas and, and many perennial plants, but this is the time of year for taking the cuttings of plants and I actually brought you in some to oh, prove the case. Oh, right, okay. So you can bring these home to your mam okay, because great I know stuff. she'd appreciate them. That's a plant, a lovely plant called Parahibi. I took it as cutting six weeks ago and you can see the roots on them already. They're about four. Super. Right? So only, you only need short little cuttings about four to six inches long. Dip them into rooting powder. Now rooting powder has been hard to get because of the popularity of gardening this year. Everybody, really? Yeah, yeah, we ran out for weeks of rooting powder simply because the amount of people that are engaging in gardening. So it's back in, that's the good news. Ooh. So it's available online, but it's also available within the stores. So dip the little cuttings into rooting powder and put them into a mixture of 
compost and perlite yeah. and within six weeks you've got yourself new plants they can be planted directly out into the garden soil now that particular plant is called Parihebe avalanche it comes into flower in April and it's still in flower in my garden in October fantastic how about that it's evergreen it's such an easy plant to grow makes a beautiful ground covering plant and propagates so easily from cuttings but you can do this for any favourite garden plant that you have Monty Don if people saw him last night on Gardener's I World I missed it now he propagated fig trees so he was taking the cuttings of fig trees, which grow beautifully here in Ireland. So I understand, because I saw Rory O'Connell during the week. Uh, I, I didn't get to see much TV, but he was cooking, and uh, he was cooking from a fig tree outside, uh, I think in Ballymaloo, yeah. and it was a stunner. Oh, it's a, and it's a lovely plant, and you can grow fig trees against a wall as a climbing plant. You can use the figs, and they produce beautiful figs. How do you get the fig into the in fig, fig roll? Wasn't yes, that the, always that, the one? That question. And, but you can also use the leaves. The leaves can be infused to create all sorts a different, uh, very very similar to um, herbs. Yeah. So the, the leaves of fig trees um, have, a, have a fantastic flavour as well. But So it's really the, uh, the point I'm making. It's the time of year for taking the cutting of, of plants. So if you've got verbenas that you want or fuchsias or hebes or whatever, this is the time, time in October to take cuttings. Make sure you use the rooting powder. I see a lot of questions in this morning about taking cuttings for hedging, right. laurels in particular. And yes, this is the time of year to do that. You simply... Take them a little bit longer, about a foot length, pencil length, pencil thickness, strip off the leaves, leave one leaf on top, dip them into rooting powder and put them into a trench in the garden. So open up a, a trench of soil, put some sand or perlite into the base of that and literally put them side by side. So in a short distance, you'll fit 50 or 60 cuttings. They'll leave them alone for the winter and they'll root by next March and you've got yourself some new hedging plants um, to start off next season. So my point is take cuttings at this time of year and... Um, the planting of, of anything really in October and the soil conditions are superb for the planting of trees and shrubs, but climbers in particular. And if you fancy Boston Ivy or Virginia Creeper or some winter flowering climbers like Clematis or Mandii or Clematis Winter Beauty, this is a good time of year for planting climbers in general in the garden, either in pots or directly into the garden, garden soil. It's also a super time for sowing the seed of plants and particularly hardy annuals like the lovely old pot marigold calendula or uh, godetia, which is a lovely plant. You sow them from seed, they're winter hardy, they germinate over the winter period and they come into flower in, in the spring of next year. What's godetia? Godetia is a real old-fashioned plant. It's a bit like wallflowers or okay. sweet william. It's one of those old-fashioned plants. It comes in a range of different colours, predominantly kind of reds, pinks, whites, um, they're, they're very similar to azaleas when they come into flower and they grow to about a foot in height um, and flower, if you sow the seed of, of Gadisha this time of year, it comes into flower in April and May of next year. So it flowers nice and early in the spring period. Um, so well worth sowing from seed. So look for hardy annuals, packets of seeds of hardy annuals, maybe sow them with the kids and they'll germinate out of doors directly into the garden soil and they'll germinate and flower next spring and maybe plant some spring bulbs with them as well. And the sowing of wildflower seed, think what nature is doing. It's casting its own seed at the moment. Mm. So that tells us it's the perfect time of year for sowing all the wildflower seeds can be planted at this time of year. Thinking about the veg garden, finish off planting shallots, which are available in bulbs. So there's edible bulbs available at the moment, like garlic, the Japanese winter onion sets, they should be planted now. They come in red varieties and in the traditional yellow varieties. Shallots, of course, can be planted at this time of year. So get those into the garden soil, particularly today, if you can. Thinking of Christmas. Are we? 
We are. I okay, am anyway, right. Because it's the planting of herbs. Okay, from a, and, from a gardening perspective. And if you think of what, what herbs do we have for Christmas? We love the sage, rosemary, thyme, um, winter savoury is a lovely herb, bay leaf, all those kind of woody herbs. If you plant them up in pots and containers now, even simply put them into a window box and sit them on your window, mm. you've got fresh herbs. They're all evergreen rosemary you can cut it uh, right at Christmas and use it in all the for stuffings or for flavourings or for maybe some stews that you might have in early January so the planting up of herbs at this time of year but also if you've got herbs in your garden it's a good time of year to actually cut them give them their final cut now use the the sprigs and infuse them in things like olive oil so if you put them into olive oil and put them into ice Ice cubes. Cube trays. trays yeah. They'll freeze perfectly well, yeah. like knobs of butter, yeah. but with with uh, herbs mixed through them. So chop them up, put them into the olive oil, freeze them, and you can use them right through the winter period. Or they'll freeze in water as well. So you can harvest garden herbs now, because as we get into winter, they will get a bit, they'll you know, get, yeah, they'll bit just knackered. Do, yeah. yeah. But if you have them in pots and containers in a sheltered area, you can also use them. So this is a really good time of year for planting, harvesting herbs, storing them, and then also planting up fresh herbs. And indeed, you could sow the seeds for herbs mm. for next year if you wanted at this time of year. It's a really good time to do that. The other thing I'm seeing lots of questions on is is the little bits of moss coming back on hard surface areas. So oh, again, our old friend. This, so today would be an ideal day to do that. If you've got it on, on slates, tiles, walls, tarmac atom, then give it a, a treatment to the pack and that'll see it off. So they're the type of jobs I would be doing today. <laughs> okay, so it's, it's really a busy day and if you have household jobs, leave the inside ones for tomorrow and get, exactly. get out get and out get those and you'll be delighted air. that you, because it, it isn't looking like a particularly pleasant week no. uh, weather-wise. So remember the garden is the safest place to be at the moment. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Donald Trump should have listened to that. Oh, pork. Yeah, there you go. So yeah. So and make it, use of the good day. That's that's really my advice and, and get on those sort of jobs, you know, the tidying up, the yes. mowing of the lawns, you know, just tidying up in general. Okay. Okay, great stuff. Now, Porik, we're going to start with a gooseberry bush. It's three years old. No fruit has glass-like blades growing out of it. Ah, that sounds like the like some of the uh, stems or, or the, the leaves have, have a little bit of a virus. Now, we're coming to the time of year where gooseberries start to drop their leaves and the time of year for pruning gooseberries back. And gooseberries are, pl- are pruned the same as apple trees. So what you need to do is take a third of this year's growth off the top of the gooseberry plant and then any of the side shoots trim those back very close within half an inch of the main stem or the main branch of the gooseberry plant and that'll help it to uh, settle down to fruiting. Gooseberries you know it's still a very very young plant three years old I would expect that fruit to fruit this coming year this coming summer so just take off one third of the top of the growth trim back the side shoots leave it alone maybe put a little bit of sulfate of potash on it as well at this time of year and that'll help to induce it into flowering and and that's it that's all it's going to need it will it will fruit for you gooseberries are very reliable and once they start they tend to fruit every year Okay, great, because I always kind of associate them with my, my grandmother's um, garden years and yeah. years ago and they were there when there was nothing else in it. Such an easy plant yeah. to grow and, and there are different varieties like Whinhan's Industry is a lovely red gooseberry, bright red gooseberry that's sweeter, it's not as tart. Careless is a is the um, traditional green one. So make sure you plant a couple of different varieties together just for, for, variety. for, for variety more than anything else. Yeah. Now we have geraniums growing in the ground and we have somebody wondering how do we winter them? Okay, so 
if these are the the um, traditional geraniums, the lovely red and pink geraniums, you, the best way to do it is just to take simple cuttings from them, like I described with the parihebe, mm-hmm. and now is a really good time. One tip with geranium cuttings, again, remove any flowers, they're still flowering, remove all the leaves bar one at the top, but let them dry, let the cuttings dry for overnight. So if you take them today, don't insert them into the rooting powder and compost till tomorrow. The little bit of because they're, they're full of water, the stems, and sometimes they'll rot if you insert them straight away. Right. Apart from that, you do exactly the same thing. Cover them with a polythene bag and sit them, keep them inside on a bright windowsill and leave them there for the winter months and replant them then out next year. So once we get a bit of heavy frost, the geraniums are going to succumb to that. They're going to die out of doors. So it's very important to take a few cuttings now. Super. How do I treat yellowish grass underneath healthy grass? Just set over a year ago, it's on a grave. Well, yellowing in, in grass is a sign that it's a little bit hungry and and um, you can put on an autumn feed now and the autumn feed, lawn feeds are designed to green the lawn without actually making it grow. So that you don't get any physical growth or very little. You get a nice greening from the lawn. So if Tommy puts on a little bit of uh, autumn lawn fertiliser, that will green it up and... Um, you know, encourage yes. it'll turn that yellow grass to green. Now, I bought two lovely bottle brush plants in your garden centre last year and right. after buying them, I put them into larger pots. Right. This spring, I had to transplant them again. Now they're in 22-inch diameter tubs, but the top of the compost is very fibrous. Can they be grown in tubs or are they meant to be in the ground? Well, they, they'll grow quite happily in the ground or in pots. It's a Mediterranean plant, the bottle brush, uh, bottle brush and it gets the, the um, name because of the old style. It's a red flower that looks like the old bottle brush that we used we to tell, use yeah. years ago yeah. with, the, with, the, with the glass bottles. Um, because the Mediterranean plant it needs free draining soil it also needs a sunny location um, so try to if you are planting it into the soil, put plenty of grit and gravel into the soil. If anything, impoverish the soil because bottle brush does better and flowers better if it's a little bit hungry. Um, so if you're planting it, sunny location, free draining soil, lots of grit added to the soil. Uh, having said that, they grow perfectly happy in pots. And the fact that you're getting the fibrous root up on the top, don't worry about that. 22 inch pot is a quite a wide pot for um, bottle brush and it's only a year or two years old. If anything in the pot, it's actually going to flower better. So for this year, I would leave it in the pot, see how it flowers next summer, and then you've got the choice next this time next year to plant it out into the garden soil. So they actually do better. A little bit confined. Agapanthus is another plant that comes to us from South Africa that, again, when it's in a really tight pot, okay. it flowers better. Geraniums are the same. If you keep them restricted and a bit hungry and a bit under stress. Right. They that, actually flower, they, they better. flower better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're you get less leaf and growth and more flower. Because it's kind of about survival of the fittest. fittest they're, yeah, trying to, they're, they're, they're trying to ensure their survival, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. And, you, and you trigger them into flowering. So for me, leave the calisthenum or the bottle brush in the pot, uh, certainly up until this time next year. Now we have a question uh, on pixie cabbage. Can it be set outdoors? Yeah, it's a totally hardy variety. This is one that I recommend. It's a dwarf cabbage. It only it, It's super for polytunnels and greenhouses because it takes up very little space, but it's still big enough to, to provide a dinner for two or three. So it's a nice cone-shaped uh, headed um, uh, cabbage, winter cabbage. Mm. Um, so, But it's perfectly ha- happy out of doors and, and perfectly hardy out of doors. And this year I actually grew some cabbage in a trough. I planted 12 plants wow. in a trough outside the patio. 
<laughs> so they were easy access and rather than cutting the heads just peel the leaves when you actually want a bit of cabbage okay because you so might it's a very eat. simple way and, and again if you have some pots and containers you can grow lettuces and and so on at this time of year or some of the shallots and the onions yes. that I, I mentioned earlier now we have a mature lilandii hedge alongside a neighbor's farmyard is there anything i could do to stop rires coming through my hedge without damaging it also do you advise lifting begonia bulbs for winter they're in their pots yeah so lift the begonias for two reasons so what we do begonias are still flowering so enjoy them for another month they should flower until the end of october unless we get some very sharp frost but once once they die back take them out of the compost because vine weevil can be a problem first of all these are the little white maggots that absolutely love begonia tubers and will gnaw on them right through the winter period um, so my advice is to take them out put them into a little bit of green sulfur and wrap them up in newspaper and store them for the winter the other benefit of lifting them is that it allows you to divide them next spring so next february as the buds start to uh, come through you can simply split the begonia tubers into two or three and you've got yourself some new plants a bit like dividing the hostas that i mentioned so my advice is always to lift the begonias in relation to the briars growing through mm. the lilandii you can use the weed killer gel that i mentioned last week so it's a special gel that you pay it onto the leaves of the briars but you'll also find that briars don't have a very deep root and if you can get under the hedge with a sharp spade you'll often scuffle the root of a briar they're actually quite easy to scuffle or if you have sharp hoe uh, get down to the root base and scuffle them out at that level and that will kill them off as well so either use the, the gel or if you can get at the root base and um, they're very very surface rooting briars they don't go deeply into the soil so they're quite easy to actually physically remove if you can get at them now we have somebody wondering is there plenty of time to sow gra- grass seed in land I ploughed six acres well this is more of an agricultural question I think six acres of land last week for reseeding says so there's John. one for Michael Leary is it? it probably is <laughs> but I suppose just in, yeah, in general terms about sowing gra- grass seed at the minute absolutely this is the time of year September October is a great time of year for sowing the seed of grass seed grass seed germinates at 10 degrees Celsius and most mornings or most days we're having 12, 14, 15 degrees at the moment so if you're ready to sow the seed lawn seed in particular get it in now my advice is to put in a little bit of preceding fertilizer something like the osmo before you put on the lawn seed because the fertilizer has enough time to dissolve and be available to the grass as it germinates and give it a nice green color but certainly if you're ready to sow the weather's perfect the weather's perfect uh, now I know we've talked about the cuttings but somebody's wondering about moving shrubs at this time of the year well evergreen shrubs so things like like the parahebe that I mentioned mm. there um, d- digging up the likes of the hostas and, and the stilbes and rhubarb if you want to transplant it so herbaceous plants this is a really good time of year to literally cut them back dig them up split them and transplant them evergreen shrubs can be moved in October so camellias rhododendrons azaleas hebes parahebe anything that retains its leaf any deciduous shrubs that shed their leaves like buddleias or forsythii they should be left until the leaves actually drop so hydrangeas leave them until the, the leaves fall off completely mm. the plant is dormant and then lift it and transplant it so that will be November so evergreens move now herbaceous plants move now and divide and all deciduous trees for example yeah. leave them until November December January February anytime through the winter period now somebody's wondering when do you sow lupins from seed would they be suitable along a stone wall with good drained soil and some sunshine perfect you couldn't describe any better conditions now remember lupins come in different varieties in different heights different Mm. colours so dwarf varieties are you know if you want something nice and compact that'll only grow two feet high look for varieties like lulu which is a quite short variety of lupin if you want something tall for cutting 
the Russell hybrids are probably some of the best and they form nice big thick clumps but the flowers grow up to four feet in height oh, wow, okay. and make fabulous cut flowers if you want really long so, stems. So, so just the name, the, the name of the... So Russell, Russell hybrid and, and there's a whole range of Russell hybrids um, that have been bred in different colours and different uh, varieties um, so but look for those or else if you want a short one um, Masterpiece is quite a good one or Lulu is a dwarf variety. You can sow the seeds of lupin at this time of year. Again, remember what's happening in nature. Lupins finish fl- flowering around the end of July. They've been forming their seeds since. So anytime from August, September, October, you can sow lupin seed. Now, I would sow them indoors at this time of year right. in pots and containers. Sow them in compost, in moist compost. Cover them with cling film. Sit them on your the brightest windowsill you've got. They'll germinate in three or four weeks. Pot them on into small pots. And I try and keep them indoors if you can for the winter period, maybe in a greenhouse conservatory garage with a bright window or else in a sheltered part of the garden outside and then plant them into the soil in February, March of next year. Okay. And watch for the slugs. Oh, okay. They they're they're fans. Are they're d- fans of the lupins, yeah. Super. Yeah. Okay, well, that's a, that's a, that's a good... Two uh, organic pellets, you get an organic pellet that's safe to use, safe for pets, safe for children, safe for birds. And you'll still have your lupins. You'll still have your lupins. Now, um, that's another kind of question. Is it too early to dig roosters? Should the pit outside be, should the pit outside or put them in the corner of the garage uh, in a shaded area? area? Yeah, well, this is again, I mentioned this last week, I would be harvesting and remember the question we got last week, it was bugging me all week. What was the name of the purple potato? Yes. Well, I go. I've nearly forgotten again. <laughs> Blue Danube. Blue Danube. Blue Danube. Just, it's one. Of, it's a beautiful variety. It's it's disease resistant. You're harvesting it this time of year. It's got purple skin and a beautiful flowery potato. It's one of the best varieties uh, to grow here in Ireland. So that's Blue Danube. Um, so make a note of that. It's hard to believe that the seed for potatoes will actually be coming in before Christmas. We'll have all the varieties back in in December again for next year. So in terms of the question, yeah, rooster is a main crop variety. I would dig it out of the soil now. Don't be leaving it too late because the soil conditions will disimprove. So today, for example, there's a job that could be done. Dig your spuds, your main crop varieties. um, Store them. They can be pitted out of doors, which simply means putting straw down on the soil, putting a layer of rooster potatoes, putting a layer of soil over that, another layer of straws, straw, another layer of roosters and building up a, a kind of a, a clamp or, a, or, or a, an area, mm. uh, a bed as it were, a raised bed of potatoes and then you can access those all winter long. Just go out and take a few potatoes yeah. as you want them. Or you can store them in a frost-free, dark, cool location. So a shed, cellar, garage type of area that's cold uh, but dry, yeah. they store pretty well as well. Now, I have a horse chestnut tree. It was sown by my son from a conker. It's 12 feet high. Lovely. Can it be pruned and kept at this height? And if so, when do I prune it? Well, the trouble, the answer is you could, but you're going to put the tree under a lot of stress to keep it to 12 feet. I mean, you know, conkers or, or chestnut trees are large, mature trees that yeah. will grow 50, 60 feet in, in height and need space. Um, so the answer is you can prune it, but but you know, ideally, that there's a tree that could be lifted once it drops its leaves and plant it in a, in an area that has more space, a parkland, a field, um, somewhere that would actually have, uh, you know, plenty of space for the tree. Having said all that, if you do want to keep it trimmed, you can certainly do that and the time to cut it back is in November. Now, chestnuts are actually under, under stress. There is a chestnut disease, a fungal disease of chestnuts oh, at the moment, yeah, really? which, which causes um, kind of speckling of the leaves, the leaves to fall early, a bit like ash dieback. Mm. Um, and, and it's a fungal disease of, of chestnuts. So they are under a little bit of 
threat and, and, and um, stress, stress at the moment. moment. But certainly it is a big parkland tree and ideally I try to pick a location that you could actually allow it to grow to its yes, full to its full maturity. Yeah. yeah. Lovely. Um, now, how do we harvest carrots? Well, again, similar to the potatoes, potatoes, you can actually store them exactly in the clamp again, an outdoor clamp if you wish, or again, you can lift them. Now, carrots can stay in the ground for for all of October and you can harvest them up to that period. But by the end of October, once we get into the kind of colder, frostier nights, they're better to be lifted. Um, So I would use them through October and then lift them at the end of October and store them in damp sand indoors if you wish, or in put them in a clamp out of doors exactly as I described with the straw and the comp on the soil. Now, I have a lot of box hedging with a bad case of box blight. I yeah. treated it all at the beginning of September with Top Boxes Health Mix and I can see good results. Great. Do I treat it again this month or what should I do going forward, asks Mary. Well, Mary should really leave it now until next spring. Um, you could give it one more more treatment uh, in October. Box blight is spread. It's a, it's again a disease of, of boxwood and it's spread in wet weather, particularly with August being so wet. Uh, we've seen a good bit of it around. So it's great to hear the treatment is working. Yeah. Give it one more application and then that's enough for this year, Mary. And then next spring in March of next year, just give it one or two applications as well. And keep an eye on the wet weather. When you've got wet weather, it's a bit like blight and potatoes. That's a good indication to put on the the top box. Top box also feeds the plant as well. It, It not only controls the the disease, it actually gives them a lovely green colour. So I'd expect those so boxwoods to be beautiful at the moment. Now we've peony roses and we're yeah. wondering when do we set them, Porek? Well, you can sow peony, if the, the listener has tubers over them at the moment, they can be planted now or, or them in a pot. Generally they're available anything that flowers kind of late spring, early summer, you buy in bulbs in January. So December, January sort of period, the peony rose, rose uh, roots are available. Same time as dahlias or the nearine lilies that are in flower at the moment, which are beautiful. They're normally planted December, January, February sort of period. So they'll be all in the garden centres at that, at that time of year. Peony roses tend to be shy to flower, so it takes them a few years to settle down unless you buy a potted plant that has been grown for a number of years. Right. So don't expect flowers in year one. They can need a settling period. Or if you dig peonies up and divide them, like I mentioned with the mm. hostas, it can be done, but again, it sets them back for a year or two in terms of flowering. The plant will grow perfectly fine, but it's trying to put on a bit of bulk before it starts to settle down to flowering again. Okay, somebody wondering where can they get winter variety carrots? Uh, well, for, the seed, seed should be available. So there's a variety called Eskimo that, that you could sow at this time of year. Um, ideally, you'd want a, a tunnel greenhouse, kind of a pr- veggie pod, for example, would be a perfect, perfect place to grow them. Growing them out of doors is, is more tricky. So a sheltered spot, but look for that variety called Eskimo. Brilliant. And um, just before we go to a break, wondering about trimming black currant bushes now. Should we do that? Yeah, again, the pruning of all fruit plants, uh, you know, it's normally November. You can do it now. Uh, take advantage of today and go out and prune them back. Ideally, with, with, with blank currants, they flower on old wood. So don't cut them back like a rose bush. Don't cut everything off the plants. You're looking for the old wood, which tends to be blackish in colour, quite dark in colour. It's the wood that produced the fruit this year. That's normally what you prune out. So look for the older, thicker wood. Take those out. The lighter, browner wood or grey wood, leave alone because that's where the fruit is going to be born 
this year. We've turned our attention to the WhatsApps now. Uh, the first one we opened um, is a photograph. Oh, wow, I didn't see that bit. Uh, of a large plot. Well, that sure it is. Uh, a family garden needs to, uh, looking for ideas really here, Porik, on this one. Uh, for easy maintenance, they'd like ideas for colour hedging throughout the year. There's no shelter on either side, as you can see. And it's a pretty big site. Oh, it's huge. It's huge. And it actually looks like a seaside uh, area. Yeah, see the water I can there. see. And, uh, is that Crow Patrick well, in the distance? Well, it could well be, I it's, think. It's some, it looks like, well, let's take it that it's a seaside area. It's a pretty open site, very open to the elements. And particularly if it's coastal, there are a couple of, of hedging plants in particular. So this garden needs to be framed because it's there's no hedges or, or no boundaries to it. So by putting in a hedge, you'll actually frame it. Um, so my advice really is to go for something that's going to be wind tolerant and soil tolerant. So the choices are a lovely variegated hedge called Iliagnus abengii variegata. It's a variegated leaf. It retains a leaf 12 months of the year. It'll grow to about five, six feet in height. Um, so not too big and not too vigorous and easy trimmed, but gives you 12 months of colour. Um, so that's quite good. You also have a grey leaf form of that, Iliagnus, the ordinary common Iliagnus, which grows a little bit taller. And also in seaside areas, Grisolinia does really well, the apple green Grisolinia. So they're ones that will give you 12 months of colour, easy to grow, tolerate soil and windy conditions and provide some shelter to the garden and once you've got the hedges in then it's a matter of putting in some trees and again for seaside areas things like Crotagus pole scarlet Sorbus aurelutescence which is the white beam tree um, will offer foliage colour flower and berries and, and really it's a matter of building it up then again if it's seaside things like hydrangeas fuchsias you know there are mm. a range of plants but I would start with the hedging and this is the time of year to, to get, get the that hedges in. in. Okay, it's it's a big project, uh, but uh, the grass indeed. is looking good on it, it I have to indeed. say. Yeah, fabulous views. Yeah, absolutely mm. stunning. Um, what are the best trees to sow in my lawn that have colour, asks Bernie. Well, liquid amber is one of my favourite um, trees. It's got a lovely maple-like leaf, but at this time of year, it has fantastic foliage colour as we go right through autumn. Perotia persica, I mentioned at the top of the programme, that is a mm-hmm. really, really nice tree. It will grow to about uh, maybe 15, 20 feet in height. Um, again, at this time of, of year, the Sorbus family are lovely. They have lovely uh, berries, like Joseph Rock has yellow berries. Vilmariana has white berries or pinkish berries. Um, Comixta has lovely red berries. Pop into your local gardens it would be my advice it's a great time for planting trees many of them are still in leaf so you get you can appreciate what they look like during the the spring summer and Mm -hmm. autumn period and um, it's fabulous weather for planting trees now we've got another great photograph in and we were mentioning the blue danube and this is it the potato i think it's from the person who was asking the question last week week, it's a fine blue danube it's um, a fabulous, it's a lovely yeah, purple colour. And children actually love it because it's a, it's completely different to any other potato. But it suits the Irish palate because it's a flowery potato. It's like a curse pink or a golden wonder, yeah. that sort of texture. But it's also blight resistant. It stores extremely well. It's just And it's one that you will not get in the shops to buy. You yeah. won't get blue danube on your supermarket. And that's a really good shape as well. I don't yeah. know, do and they all, all come out size. a bit like that? Yeah, they're all large, large. Uh, they're lovely for roasting, lovely for baking, lovely for steaming or boiling. Um, and, and they all produce really large tubers and they actually store through the winter period. It's a great one.
Blue Danube, right? Blue Danube. Okay, we're not going to forget it again in a hurry. Uh, a lawn, we sold it, put in a lawn two weeks ago, ne- uh, next Monday, right? When should the grass appear? Uh, will we be able to use the lawnmower on it this year? Yeah, it's it's more very likely you will because the, the grass, as I mentioned, will germinate at 10 degrees. So two weeks in, I would expect another 10 days uh, for, for it to germinate. Normally three to four weeks at this time of year for germination to occur. Um, and then once it's mowable, so once it's kind of inch high, get the lawnmower on it. Make sure you take, put the, the grass box on and take off any clippings. And you probably mow it once or twice between now and Christmas. Now, it depends on the weather. Mm. If we get a horrid, wet autumn, stay off the lawn. Yeah. If we get nice, dry, crisp weather, keep on the lawn and keep it trim because grass will continue to grow during the winter period and it's no harm just to give it a... I mean, St. Stephen's Day is kind of my goal every year to start cutting the lawn. Is it? Yeah. So St. Stephen's Day is good. I'm out on the lawn. <laughs> How sad is that? But no, so, no. Each to their own, Boric. That sort of period, yeah. you know, in early, early get January, it, yeah. get out early. Don't be waiting until March, in exactly, other words. Exactly. And keep, keep on top of it. So if the winter is cold, crisp and dry, then do keep trimming the lawns. Now, we are backtracking a little bit to a question we got last week on the programme. It's another photograph of an area that was cleared or part cleared um, and there was a lot of briars and I think they were looking for planting ideas, but they still have quite a lot of scotch type grass and things like that. So they're wondering um, what should they, it's full of roots, briars, ivy and weeds um, so what do they need to spray it with in order to turn it into a lawn? not too much um, there's not, not too bad. much uh, weeds there and you can nearly hold them off you know if you want and just tidy it up but I would put extra soil there they need to put in it's quite shallow and I would add an, another 6 to 12 inches of topsoil into that area I did mention last week it's it's kind of a, a border area with, with some broadleaf trees and it would be nice to plant it up with things like hostas and virginias maybe some hydrangeas actually plant the area rather than putting it into grass mm. and that's what I would do with it but it needs additional soil so you need to get some extra topsoil and put at least 6 to maybe 12 inches of additional soil into the area. Plant it up with some bulbs, some hydrangeas, those kind of woodland uh, hostas, all that still bay that I mentioned earlier today would be lovely in it. Right, we're going to go inside the house for this one. Uh, Again, photograph for listeners. We'll just uh, give a description in a second. The question, first of all, though, is I have this plant. It's in my sitting room for the last four to five years and it has started to die. The bottom part is fine, but the very top, as you can see in the picture, is dead. What would you recommend, asks Josephine. So we're going to go in a fairly close in on that. Yeah, so it's it's actually two plants, plants. in the one pot. Yeah. So you've got a Dracaena, uh, Dracaena, an indoor Dracaena, which is doing fine. And then you've got a plant called Schaeffelaria, or it's the umbrella tree. Um, and it, they're actually starved. <laughs> Is that <laughs> the at, problem? Look at the size of the pot. Yeah. Right. Okay. So they're too hungry. So I would, first of all, I would actually separate both plants because you've got two distinct plants. It probably came as a maybe a mixed arrangement uh, when, you know, four years ago and, and the, the two plants. Good value out of your mixed arrangement. So they've actually done remarkably well for the size of the pot that they're in. Um, so the only thing that's wrong here is the plants are hungry. Um, so my advice now, today, if you can, or maybe tomorrow when it's wet, is divide both plants, just separate them, put them into two separate pots of the size that's that's in there. So, you know, it's roughly maybe the pot I would imagine is roughly 15 inches in diameter by 15 inches in height. Get some fresh compost and start the plants off. I would also prune back the umbrella plant, the tall gangly it's near, plant. It's, it's near the ceiling. It's right up at the ceiling. Yeah. So it must be eight feet long. So prune that back 
take off at least four to five feet off the plant and um, it'll actually re-sprout again and you'll get a bushier, fuller, denser plant. So they're both in good condition. All they need is a bit of repotting and now it would be an excellent time to do this. Okay, we've got a picture of a very poor uh, bit of a lawn altogether, Porrick. Right. Uh, and I think the question is, what do we do with it from Paddy Kenny? Okay, well, so look, Paddy, it's a, to describe to the listeners, we've got bits of green grass, but lots of brown grass through it. And it looks to me like you've got either leather jackets or chaff to grubs um, feeding on the lawn. Um, so you've got lots of patches of grey greenness. So... Paddy could just check to see if you put some sudsy water on this, mm. the, the bugs will come to the surface. Or if you dig a small section of it, you'll see the maggots underneath eating the soil. Um, it's too late really to treat them with the nematodes. That, that's going to happen uh, really for next season. Right. Uh, it's gone too cold now to treat them. Um, there is a, a treatment called Bug Clear that you could use as mm. a drench, mix it in water and apply it through a watering can. But establish first of all, Paddy, are the, the it looks to me like you've got leather jackets and chaff to grubs feeding there and if you use some bug clear that'll get rid of them right somebody is uh, slipping roses pork and Good. they have them in the pots uh, of compost so you said to cover them and tie them over with a polythene bag yeah. they're wondering is a plastic shop bag okay any old bag any old bag and do they need to keep removing the bag to water the slip no, you see, that's the beauty of it. That's the whole idea of putting the... So what we do is we take the rose cuttings, we put them into a nice gritty compost, moist compost, five or six cuttings together, get a butcher's bag, that kind of milky type bag or uh, sandwich bag will, will do perfectly fine. Something that will let the light in. But the beauty about putting the bag on over the container is that it creates humidity. It saves you having to water the cuttings until such time as they actually root. So the bag stays intact for at least a month, six weeks until you see some new growth starting then you take the polythene bag off and continue watering as normal. It's kind of a self-watering system. It is. And you just simply leave it on a bright windowsill. They'll root within months, six weeks, and you've got yourself some new roses. Now, we've got some apples. Yeah. Uh, we have four old apple trees. Last year, we started recovering them by cutting a bit off the tops. Great. We had a good crop every year until this year. The picture enclosed shows what most of the few we got were. Um, so that's they've, that's a, the apples cut, as yeah. you can see. Mm. Not great in the no, middle. There's, mo- there's two. There's two problems here. Right. You've got apple scab on the outer side of the leaves, or, or the outer side of the, the fruit, yeah. I yeah. should say, which is just a, a surface uh, marking that the you, normally when the scab is present, the rest of the apple is fine. But they've also got codly moss, which, we, if you go to the other picture, you'll see the internal of the apple is <clears> streaked. <throat> a maggot has actually tunneled through that and ate through the centre of the apple. And um, so that's codly moth. It's a small little pest that actually attacks apples, particularly when they're forming their little fruitlets in, uh, you know, late June, July sort right. of period. So my advice really for next year, if you can, would be to treat the apples with some rose clear, the ordinary treatment we use on roses. Okay. And that will prevent the codly moss and it will also prevent the scab coming on the apples. Okay. So do that for next summer when you're treating your roses, give your apple trees a little application as well. Okay. Is it, it's, uh, is it possible to plant potatoes in pots to have for Christmas? You won't get, the, well, the answer is it's it's too late really now. That should have been done in August and I don't think you'll get the tubers um, available now. Um, you can okay. give it a try can, and see, yeah. but it's gone a bit late really. There wouldn't be a guarantee with it. There's no guarantee. <laughs> next August, make a note for next August. And you can t- simply take some small tubers, say of varieties like um, Sharps Express that you might be growing anyway and harvesting in July and August. Keep a few of those and repot them again and they will give you uh, some potatoes for Christmas.
Now, my wildflowers are dying away. Do I leave them to self-seed or can I cut them back? Well, most of them should have self-seeded at this stage. So my advice really, if, if the, the seed heads have gone brown, then trim them back at this stage. And it's important in a wildflower garden to remove the old stems because they actually rot back into the soil and provide nutrition, which is not what you want for wildflowers. Wildflowers should be grown in a kind of impoverished, hungry basis. So at this time, if you're trim back the wildflower meadow, take all the stems and, and leaves and so on and put them on your compost heap and uh, just leave the, the wildflower area bare. My advice really would be to plant some spring bulbs in there, you know, because you'll have a lovely colour then in, in February, February, March and yeah. April before the wildflowers start to bloom. Somebody's wondering, how tall does the tree fern grow and would it be best positioned in a garden? Well, they're very and where would it be best positioned? Sorry. Okay, so tree ferns, um, so this, these are Dixonias, Dix, Dixonia Antarctica. Yep. It's a very, very slow growing plant. I mean, it literally grows an inch a year. Um, now, the fronds come out and then retract back in for the winter, but the actual stem itself produces about an inch or two inches of growth per year. So it's never going to make, I mean, in time, years from now, it'll probably make a 10 or 12 foot tree. Um, but so depending on what size of plant you, you purchase, try and buy one as big as possible because they are so slow growing. They do very well in pots and containers or you can plant them in a sheltered, shaded area. That's what they need. So they need a protected area. There's some beautiful tree ferns in the grounds of Turlock House. Oh, so if you're, okay. if you're visiting the museum, make sure you walk through the little woodland area and the, the council have planted up a beautiful, there must be 10 or 15 Dixonias planted there and they're there quite a number of years so they're different sizes and to give you a sense of the, the sort of plants they produce they're absolutely beautiful I love them and I think there's there's a rela- they're so serene and relaxing yeah I, I just find them there's to kind be, of a Game I was, of Thrones oh, feel to them isn't there there, there, is, there is there's just some, something beautiful and the, the bark is kids love touching the bark because it's, it's you know there's quite a, an unusual texture yeah. corky type textures to them but if you're in the grounds of Turlock House go and visit the tree ferns um, they're, they're just in that little woodland area as you drive up up the park and they're well worth and that's the perfect area for them it's shaded it's sheltered it's protected they're hardy out of doors it's a good idea maybe just to cover when the fronds do die back to cover the top of it with a little bit of straw or polythene just to keep the heavy wetness and coldness out, out of the, the centre of the plant uh, but because of their height they generally escape any frost damage anyway Brilliant. they're lovely now we've got a picture of a plant in a yeah. We're wondering, we might you be able to identify it? And more importantly, perhaps, should we put it in a bigger pot now as it's going to lose its foliage for the winter? Okay, so this is a plant called salvia. Okay. Um, and it's it's the red flowering salvia. Um, and it it's a variety that's actually quite tender. So my advice here would be to take some cuttings from this plant because it may not overwinter. So depending on how cold the winter, if it's a mild, you know, relatively frost-free winter, it'll be perfectly fine. You can trim it back now, take some cuttings, it'll re-sprout next spring. Um, keep it in, because it's in a pot, keep it in a sheltered or protected area of the garden. So somewhere it's not getting too much rain. Uh, because rain is actually, uh, the wetness is, is more damaging to salvia than anything else. So push it up against a wall in a sheltered area out of the rain, cut it back, take some cuttings of it now. It's It'll stay in that pot for another year and then you can move it on to a, a larger and pot. A pot. Yeah. Okay, great. I planted a pear tree two years ago. I realise now that I won't have enough space as it grows. Can I move it? Yes, you can. And pear trees, like any fruiting tree, can be moved in November. Once it goes dormant, dig it up and transplant it. No problem okay. whatsoever. Um, 
Hi, from Manchester. Can you grow lower trees and uh, do you have them in the garden centre? We're from Cross Malina. Okay. Um, can you grow lower trees? No, I suppose so. Trees that don't grow very high, yeah, I think, and, is and what so we're talking things about. Things like Japanese maples are, are perfect. They're nice and, and short and, and compact. You know, plants like the malice that I mentioned is a quite a small tree as well. So depending on the area, the best thing would be to take a couple of photographs bring them into the garden centre and we'll pick a tree to suit the location. Small weeping willows are lovely. Weeping uh, Japanese maples are lovely as well. So there's lots. Weeping cotoneaster, which is beautiful at the moment. It's evergreen, flowers, berries, makes quite a small tree. So there's lots of really good small trees to grow. Okay, from Manchester to Cross Malina and somebody else I see on from London just saying that we're boasting about the good weather here and that it's uh, not very good there. He had it pretty, we'll have that he had it pretty good all summer now in yeah, fairness, I think. That's the weather we're getting tomorrow. <laughs> so. uh, now, gladioli, they've stopped flowering now and they look untidy. What should we do with yeah, them? Yeah, tidy them back, trim them back now. Um, there's no need to lift them. Gladioli, are, particularly if the ground isn't too too wet or an area that gets too wet in the winter, uh, they tend to overwinter really well. You could put a mulch of bark or compost over the top of the bulbs just to protect them for the winter, but certainly cut them back now, tidy them up, and um, they'll be fine for next season. Okay. Um, we have a lot of pictures of yeah, liverworth in the yeah. driveway, so wondering about how we get yeah, rid so of that. Yeah, so that's liverworth. It's like a moss, and, and there's quite a bit of that around actually at the moment. The treatment for that is pack. Use the pack treatment. Um, again, apply it today if you can on a dry day, and it'll work. It'll kill off the liverworth within seven days. It also controls moss as well, so it's quite good. Great, we might have to end on this one, I'm afraid, Porik. Um, somebody wondering about taking cuttings from a Christmas cactus. Oh, yeah, great. Um, are they best kept in covered pots, inside or outside? Inside. Um, so inside, please. Yep. So take these and Christmas cacti root very, very easily from, as do many indoor plants. The money plant or the jade plant also propagates very easily from cuttings, geraniums. But in, in the case of the Christmas cacti, just take really short stem cuttings. So only four inches long. Again, put them into a really gritty compost, perlite and compost mixed together um, and cover them with a polythene bag. Again, in a small pot, you'll fit eight or ten cuttings quite comfortably. The root in about five to six week period and you've got yourself new plants again. So many injured plants can actually propagate in the same way. Yeah, you, you, so the Christmas ca- propagation cactus going is on this super weekend. easy <laughs> and you couldn't kill it because I no, have one and it gets absolutely zero care. Yeah, no, it needs to be in out for the summer and in take it in at this time of year because the frost will kill it stone dead. Okay, we're going to have to leave it there. We'll do it all again next we'll week, We'll do worry. it all again next week. <laughs> have it yourselves. So remember the Artisan Weekend. If you are in, in Castlebar, pop out to Turlock and, and give them your support. Absolutely. And enjoy the gardening weather that uh, is on the cards for today. Thanks indeed, Porek. Uh, thanks indeed as well for your company over the past couple of hours. Do stand by. Michael Neary is coming your way next here on Midwest Radio with the very best in country right through until one o'clock this afternoon. All going well. I'll be back with you next Saturday just after seven. Thanks to Teresa for all her help as always. Good morning to you.